0: Welcome to, uh, welcome to Inside Texas on Texas Football Live Chat. Uh, joining me today are Ian Boyd, ex uh, is the nose expert uh, for the Longhorns and for Inside Texas, as well as Jerry Hamilton, a national recruiting analyst of on Three Sports, as well as recruiting reporter and analyst uh, for Inside Texas as well. Uh, big week for the Longhorns thus far. Not only are they in the second full week of practice, but also the Longhorns on the recruiting trail. Got a commitment from uh, Cedric Baxter, the nation's number one uh, running back out of Orlando's Edgewater. Jerry was there. I want to talk about that uh, today, as well as some uh, talk to Ian a little bit about some of the key opponents uh, Texas is going to be seeing this year. Some of the big time players that uh, he's talked about and been looking at as well. Uh, Jerry, first off, uh, you also went by and saw a little quarterback yesterday out of New Orleans that some people might know about, Arch Manning. And then after that, you went and saw Derek Williams. Uh, you made the ten-hour trek overnight from Orlando uh, after Baxter committed to New Orleans to, to catch a six-thirty a.m. practice of Arch Manning, and then you made a three o'clock in the afternoon practice of Derek Williams. That's a mouthful, bud. I think Ian, Ian and I are just sitting there looking at it and going, "Wow, he did a lot." Well,
1: I, I can tell you, I woke up. I woke up in the uh, hotel in Lafayette this morning and looked in the mirror. I said. Uh, yeah, this, that's a recruiting bender look and face I've been on before for many years, and uh, I a the bloated face, you know, you're just like, you know, so it's, uh yeah, I'm across the state line, I'm back in the Houston area now, so uh it was, yeah, it was inter- it was an interesting 24 hours, it was a late notice to, that I was going to be able to uh, take in the uh, Arch Manning Isidore Newman practice, and and then I knew I you know I gained the hour driving back. That was a big one Bobby. I'll be honest if I was working from west to east it would have been a little more difficult but the gaining that hour headed back to uh once you get past Tallahassee it was big driving overnight, slept at the rest stop and uh you know I I I pulled up to Isidore Newman I don't know. I think it was like 5:50 in the morning right about the time coach Stewart did and uh And I think he was surprised I was there that early. But I was like, look, man, I slept in my car last night, so I'm going to be here early. I'm not missing this. Uh, But it was awesome to see Arch, uh, Will Randall. Will Randall, up to 235 pounds. I mean, he was in the low 220s this time last year, so he's starting to fill out. Arch looked awesome physically. I mean, you know, the, the main thing I noticed with him, just from an athletic standpoint, is he's gained the strength and the muscle mass, and he's retained all his athleticism. And that's one of the big keys Uh, moving forward for all these guys is how do you retain the athleticism as you stack that muscle and that weight on your frame but uh, Arch looked tremendous I know we'll get into it a conversation with Logan Kilgore the new quarterback coach OC who uh, he played a junior college uh, quarterback then at Middle Tennessee State he set passing records there he played in the CFL he's worked with David Morris at quarterback country for years he was an assistant at Arkansas State under Butch Jones last year before taking this job for a year with Isidore Newman and uh, having the chance to work with Arch and really get him help get him prepared uh, to to head off to Texas in January. But uh, look, man, I mean, we're going to we'll be talking about it for all the Arch Manning's overrated talk. I I got a suggestion for all those idiots. Okay, get your butt in a car and go to Isidore Newman and get into an in-depth conversation with Logan Kilgore and the staff there and actually watch something in person. Uh, and then I think you're, uh, the the uh, the idiot uh, type of opinions will change a little bit. The kid's not overrated. He's a tremendous talent. And he's an incredible leader, as I wrote about it, inside Texas this morning.
0: Yeah. And and beyond that, you mentioned it. Go see him in person.
1: How about that? It's not
0: incumbent on – so here's what cracks me up about that. Oh, well, he didn't go to the Elite 11. He didn't do this. He doesn't want to compete. It's not incumbent on a high school kid to go to these camps, especially those camps are – created as marketing events at some level, right? It's not his job to market somebody else's event. It's not about competition at that level. Ian, uh, I want to get to you real quick. Uh, Jai Hall on Thursday night uh, gets arrested uh, by the University of Texas Police Department. Um, The initial read on that is, we don't know exactly what's going to come of this. Um, I would caution everybody, uh, everybody, Uh, to be uh, patient about how this plays out because we don't know all aspects of a Jai Hall's tenure at Texas. Oh, well, he only had this happen on a Thursday night. That may not be his first transgression. And to assume that it we'd be wrong. Likewise, it would be wrong to assume that he's had prior ones. And so that's what the coaching staff is there for, Right is to decide those types of things. But Ian, I, I want the question I want to ask you is this. What does the loss of a Jai Hall potentially do to a Texas receiving core uh, that, uh, in my opinion, uh, was looking very, had a lot of depth and a lot of firepower?
2: I think some of that depends. I mean, really, the, the big question is, will Jordan Whittington be healthy this year? Um, if Whittington is healthy then you kind of have your top three pretty well set and everybody else is going to be mostly rotating in. Um, and then beyond that, how much positional flexibility does Jordan Whittington have? Can he play the Z who backs up Xavier worthy, who backs up Isaiah Naor? You know, you lose one of those guys, maybe worthy or nayor slide to the other spot and you, and you elevate the next guy. Maybe that's Whittington. You can put Tariq Milton out on the field in the slot. Um, Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. It's really it's really about depth outside because there's only so many guys that have the sort of size and athleticism and ability to get down the field. Um, you know, in the world, certainly on this on this campus and on this roster, Jai Hall, if he was going to offer something, it was going to be security and insurance outside. Um,
0: let Let me ask you this though. So. Take if I Jai Hall for whatever reason is off the team, not something we can confirm, deny at this point. We just we simply don't know as reporters, and we're not going to go out that ledge saying that he's this or that. How much does the early returns that we're hearing on Savion Red and the late addition of Tyreek Milton through the portal play into this for Texas? If that if they do indeed lose someone that. The, the, the ability of Hall?
2: Well, I'd be curious to hear Jerry's opinion on Red uh, and what he saw of him in, in high school. But Tariq Milton for sure is uh, – he played outside at Iowa State. His best year he played outside, uh, but he was limited against top teams that had cornerbacks of a quality that he couldn't just run by because he's fast. So then they moved him inside to the slot. I think ideally he would be slot insurance and, uh, you know, just kind of a – Hey, go run down the field every now and then, kind of a rotational player in the slot. Uh, if Whittington is hurt, if he needs a breather, what have you. If he has to be a solution outside because Nayor worthy, you know, need a breather, or something happens. Um, I I don't know how much that helps. And then I'd be curious to hear what Jerry has to say about Red. Yeah, yeah Jerry. Yeah. Yeah, on a Jai Hall,
1: here was my take when uh, he transferred to Texas, first off. What he brings to a program is the strikes fear in you athletic ability, right? Bobby can instantly beat man coverage and can scare a defensive coordinator with his ability to get over the top. Um, And he's never been a consistent ball catcher or ball winner. I mean, even though he's got an unbelievable wingspan and catch radius, he's just always had, whether it's concentration issues, doesn't really get his hands up. Um, he's always had issues with consistency catching a football. So when he transferred to Texas, my thing with him was uh, he's just going to strike a little fear uh, because uh, you know the athlete he is at that height and that ability to win and get vertical instantly and what that does to help open up the field for other guys. So if he isn't, uh, on the field this year, I think that's what you miss with him. And he could go – he's a guy that catch 13 passes for 300 yards and score five touchdowns, and he does a lot more than that just because of how he scares you and what he can do to help other guys. So I, I don't think that's easily replaced. Like Savion Red, to me, um, he, he's not he's not going uh, to ever take the top off a of defense. He's going to be a ball winner, especially in traffic. He's going to block. He is going to do all those things from a physical standpoint to win. Um, and, and he's going to be a tremendous traffic player, I believe, and and a guy that you can move around a lot. He's got a lot of football IQ about him and, and just that competitive fire. A body type similar to Quan Cosby, I would say, for the Texas fans who haven't seen Red. Uh, that's kind of who he's built like, a little thicker in the lower body, but there aren't a lot of receivers that are – built like running back. So you kind of, it's hard to pick out a guy that for sure Savion Red looks like maybe Josh Re- uh, Reed from rain at LSU way back in the day, who was a running back that transitioned the wide receiver that saw that running back body. So that's kind of what Savion Red is a- a- as a prospect, but I can tell you this, if the ball's in his area code, he is going to fight all three of us for the ball.
0: Um, Jerry, uh, what? what a, so Red, uh, and I didn't even mention Brennan Thompson, who's more, and, and Eric likes to use the term vertical slot because he can get deep. Right. Um, yeah. you know, and I, I, I think that's a great, that's an apt term, uh, for it, you know, that's the guy that can beat you down the seam really badly. Right. Uh, or take an outside, like a bubble to the outside and, and really make something happen. Um, I, I see, I see what both of you guys are saying reds just to, to Ian's point, what's the difference? Well, the difference is at the big time speed over the top. Uh, and so it does, it, it, uh, uh, forces Texas to do some stuff.
2: Jerry, I had another
0: question for you. Uh, yeah, on, a,
2: on a Jai Hall, uh, Joe just did hear that uh, from Bianco that Texas will have a statement about a Jai Hall later today. So we'll we'll see what we'll have a lot more information one way or the other pretty soon.
0: Yeah, good deal. Breaking news from uh, Joe Cook of InsideTexas.com, the beat reporter for Inside Texas, uh, revealing that information here live. Uh, you know, look, uh, guys, I, I feel comfortable in saying that Texas has a deep wide receiver room, but difference makers are guys that can scare other teams are few and far between. There's a lot of guys on a football team. And there's not many dudes. Um, and I'm not saying that, that a Hall, uh, necessarily is consistent enough to be a great player per se, but he, he does put a little fear in you. So if he does end up being off the team, it's, it's an issue. Um, we have some other uh, questions uh, that uh, we've got to get into right now uh, from uh, this Q and A. We're going to do a weekly Q and A on uh, recruiting and the team every Friday. Uh, Jerry, you went down to Florida this week. A lot of people are asking both on Inside Texas and here on the on the message streams uh, that we're getting about uh, what about the other kids in Florida outside of Peyton Kirkland. And, yep. of course, Cedric Baxter. So that means Damon Wilson, uh, the edge out of Venice, Florida, and Jordan Hall, the defensive tackle, defensive end type out of uh, Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll go real, run through it real quick. Uh, Monday went to Venice high for practice.
0: Looks like we're having some technical difficulties right now with Jerry. He's freezing up. His screen's freezing up a little bit. Um, uh, Matt, our producer, let me know when he's uh, back on and and has some uh, some clarity there. Um, Ian, question for you uh, as we talk about this stuff today. I met Damon Wilson
1: from Alton headed up to Orlando. Um, Look, Damon Wilson.
0: Is it cutting out on you, Matt? I'm asking our producer, Matt, if it's cutting in and out right now. Yeah, he's nodding. Yes. All right. We'll get back to Jerry in a second. Jerry, you back now?
1: I don't think I'm back yet. I, I Maybe I am. Am I back? You're <laughs> back. Yeah, so I went to Venice High Monday. Um, you know, look, Damon Wilson is talented as he is, and that shows up on tape quickly. Uh, he's our number four player prospect in the country, 6'3", 234. Kind of gives that Will Anderson from Alabama vibe. I'm not saying he's going to be that good. A lot has to happen with these kids. They have to continue to develop but he has that type of motor and that type of physicalness and that type of presence. I I remember seeing Will at Under Armour camp prior to his senior year. It's kind of reminiscent of that. And again, I'm not, I'm not uh, predicting he's going to be a top five pick here. That stuff has to transpire and these kids have to maximize their talent, keep working. Uh, But big time talent. I left there not questioning that we have him ranked as a five star and actually thinking other people have him underrated Uh, on his recruitment. I talked to Damon again briefly last night. That September 10th visit that for the Alabama game is still on the table. hasn't been locked in yet. Uh, he has an official visit locked in to Ohio State. Uh, that first game of the year against uh, Notre Dame, that's September 3rd. Uh, look, Alabama very much in it. Miami very much in it. He was at Miami last weekend in July. Georgia's in it. He's not sure if he's going to take an official visit back there, which was was interesting to me. But those are the five schools. Those are the five finalists right now. I think after Texas gets him on campus, and I do think that happens. As long as Texas wants to keep pushing, I think they get him on campus. And then the recruitment becomes real. But one of the things I didn't wasn't expecting, but then it made sense after Damon said it Monday, was that Tashard Choice is kind of leading up that recruitment. And that makes sense because he recruits the state of Florida, and he he's the guy you want recruiting, Damon Wilson, because he just landed
0: looks like we're, we're we're Jerry's freezing up a little bit and getting a lot of questions right now um Troy O'Meary uh we it's not someone that we mentioned uh when we were talking about other guys in the wide receiver room and I thought it was a good question um I wouldn't watch practice I felt like he was he was he's definitely further along than Jaden Alexis but he's still not entirely back yet I I don't know that he scares me over the top, but I don't know that there's a more sh- sure-handed receiver than him on the team.
2: I, mean, I think he does have the potential to be that kind of guy. Um, when Isaiah Nior, you know, when we watched his Wyoming film and he flashed quickly at Texas, the sense I had was, hey, this guy is basically what we thought Omari would be by now, had he not blown out his knees. Um, so I I do think that Omari could become that, but. He would definitely looked like he was going to be that as a freshman, honestly. Um, but is he? Could he replace that this year if called upon? That's you know, there's so many big problems there. You know, one he has to recover. Two, he has to uh, translate health into the development of skills he needs to execute this offense um, with. You know, route adjustments. Sark spoke at length about this at a recent presser about guys need to know how to how to run crossing routes against zone, how to run crossing routes against man coverage and be in the right places at the right times. So um, I think it's very possible that O'Meary could be a difference-making over-the-top talent, but you don't want to count on that this year for sure. Yeah. Look, I'm,
0: I'm thinking about it right now as, as we talk about this stuff and looking at the team – Uh, The announcement just minutes ago that uh, Texas will have an official statement on a Jai Hall later today, Uh, that coming from the University of Texas Sports Information Department, Uh, Joe Cook uh, alerting us uh, of that fact. Um, I want to go to a couple of other things that that people are asking here um, and really try to figure out what all uh, what all we've got going on as far as, uh, you know, what we're trying to look at in this upcoming scrimmage. Okay. So there are a number of pieces to it. We've talked about Kevin, Kelvin banks already. um, Not in this video, but in previous ones and on inside Texas and his appearance at left tackle question comes up in this chat. um, Ian, if Kelvin banks is indeed the left tackle, what does that do with everybody else?
2: Well, I think, um, it just bumps Andre Carrick to the bench. Um, I don't think they shuffle much else around. I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, who's the guy there. There's not like a, I don't think Carrick takes another spot for instance on the line. I think he just, he's out. Uh, he becomes, you know, maybe the, maybe the first tackle off the bench. Um, and then in terms of the, the team and like the scheme, um, the more freshmen they play, especially as they're putting in like younger, powerful, more explosive players that haven't had as much time with high level skills like pass protections, the more you think that this team is going to focus on, you know, quick game, running the ball, RPOs for the offensive line is not pass protecting on the throw. And then, you know, probably max protection play action shots, you know, get Rashawn and the best blocking tight end on the field and get lots of help so that you buy time. So, um, yeah, I think uh, in general, if the younger and and more athletic they go on the offensive line, the more it becomes about simplicity and running the ball.
0: Gotcha. Um, So so people know Texas has a uh, scrimmage set up for Tuesday. I think most of the people on here already know that, Uh, to be honest, a bunch of hardcore Texas fans. But the Longhorns have not it's a scrimmage, excuse me, on Saturday. But then it's an open practice slash fan appreciation day on Tuesday. I'll be down in Austin uh, for that, as will uh, some other guys. Uh, We're going to be there uh, pre uh, pre uh, workout and pre practice. Uh, We'll be telling you guys where we're going to be if you guys want to meet up uh, beforehand. Uh, It looks like to me like we've got Jerry Hamilton back now. Uh, so I want to try to, if we can, I want to try to bring up, oh, he just went off again. We'll get him back in a second. Um, long story short, uh, we're going to have people in uh, on uh, with us and hanging out uh, during that uh, scenario or during that time. Uh, a couple of other things I want to talk about and get your take on it. Uh, there are we are in a situation right now, Ian, where Texas is trying to figure out the quarterback role. Uh, a year ago, Hudson Card won the quarterback position coming from behind, coming from the two spot and beating out um, Casey Thompson in workouts, right? Now the roles are kind of reversed. Hudson Card has the one spot right now, kind of the incumbent based on everything else going on. And at the same time, Quinn Ewers is trying to overtake him, right? So how do you see maybe Hudson Card trying to figure that out uh, overall and, and what it's related to? at Texas right now.
2: You broke up a little bit just on that last part of the question.
0: So, so what is, if I'm thinking about it right now, okay. And Hudson card was number two going into the scrimmages last year. Okay. He overtook Casey Thompson, ended up being the starter out of the gate. This time Hudson card is taking the snap primary, primarily taking the first snaps, not necessarily the one snaps, but the first snaps with the first team. Now, Quinn Ewers is on his tail a little bit. If you're Hudson Card, what, what is the difference here for you? And is it just something that, that, that you think will eventually play out in these scrimmages coming up this Saturday and next Saturday?
2: I think maybe this scrimmage will be kind of a, a big one. Um, from what I understand of Sark's offense, I think they're still in the initial install. I think it's a very long, like two-week install just to get everything in because Sark has so much. So I I get the sense from, you know, how he's handled some of the other positions that he kind of has the seniority based pecking order and the initial install scrimmage, figure out who the real guys are. And then from there, focus on, you know, who the, who the real talents are and playing to their strengths. So I, I tend to think that card being a little bit ahead, like in the pecking order is largely about seniority and familiarity with the offense. But, um, they have this big scrimmage if they decide that Quinn Ewers is the, the best bet to win games this season, I think this is where, if he overtakes him, I think it would be this is where it would happen. Gotcha. Uh, last year I think it was like maybe scrimmage two or card overtook Thompson. Um, this year I would look at the scrimmage as being potentially very decisive at quarterback.
0: Gotcha. Um, I'm asking this one from uh, Helio Castile. Uh, Castillo, do you think the defense will base out of a two, four, five or more of a three man with an overhang?
2: I think they're going to go back. It's
0: obviously switching topics here. What's that? Obviously switching topics here. I'm sorry.
2: I I think they'll do. I think they'll do both. They'll do it with, um, a bigger end, like potentially Ojimo playing that jack-end position. And so he might play out on the edge like a, like a linebacker every now and then. And then he also might play inside like in a five technique or a four eye technique. Um, And then definitely a a overhang edge guy on the other, on the other side. So I think they'll probably go back and forth, but they will use um, three bigger bodies up front. That's definitely how Pete Kwiatkowski tended to play it at Washington when he didn't have an abundance of edge players. So, that that seemed to be where they were at coming out of spring with Ojimo as one of those, as a sort of swing guy that might be an end one play and, and sort of a semi outside linebacker the next. Um, if Baron Sorrell ends up winning that job or starting at some point in the season, I think it'll just be more of a true two four five because he's a little more of an edge guy and obviously Ojimo is more of a pure defensive lineman.
0: Hopefully that's hopefully that's clear. Let me. Uh, we're going to go back to the quarterback spot real quick. Somebody said yours threw too many ints in, pre- in week one practice. Um, we did hear he threw some picks, but, but we also heard some other people threw picks too, so he's not solo in this, right? Um, at, at that point, really, what is too many? You know, is it just a, a careless disregard for the ball? Because when I Listen to Sark's uh, presser, uh, press availability yesterday, Ian, he was talking a lot about uh, taking care of the ball. That was one of his four or five fundamentals of what he's looking for. Um, you know, speak to that, if you would, like what is too much in a practice setting, in your opinion?
2: I think it probably depends. I mean, certainly at a certain point, volume is scary. If, if you're throwing a high volume of picks, it's probably a bad sign. But I, I think the nature of the interceptions matters a great deal. You know, is he just is he is he testing somebody who's fast like Jameson when he shouldn't? Is he just a little bit over aggressive because he's you know young, big-armed gunslingers used to beating up on high school defensive backs, or is he throwing the ball into spots that he thinks are safe that are not because he doesn't understand the nature of the play or the nature of the defense. Is he getting, does he throw picks when he's jittery? Is he getting, is he getting uh, spooked by the pass rush and and making careless decisions? Um, There's so many of those different factors that would go into it. You know, if he's, if he's just aggressively taking chances, then I would say that's probably not too bad of a sign. You can just reel him in a little bit. If he's like lost and, uh, you know, confused and feeling a little bit overwhelmed, that's less of a good sign. Um, You need to either worry about it and question whether he's ready or you need to uh, see if he can get over the hump or you just need to see if you can simplify things uh, and make it easier for him, assuming that you rolled with yours.
0: Um, Getting back to a breaking story overnight, uh, really yesterday evening, uh, Jai Hall, uh, the young man out of uh, 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 Valrico, Florida, by way of the University of Alabama, uh, a transfer. Uh, It is uh, the University of Texas announced today that they're going to have a statement uh, today uh, about Hall. Uh, I, uh, do not know what that statement is going to be, whether he's staying with the team off the team, uh, and we're going to try to, to find that out. Um, but Joe, Joe Cook of Inside Texas reporting, uh, that is going to be back. I wanted to say that because we've added about 250 people since we started, uh, this chat and wanted to make sure I got that in there. Um, uh, Ian, one of the questions I had asked you prior to coming on today is really some of the top players. You think that the Longhorns are going to be facing this year? Um, I know Bryce Young, Heisman winner, uh, Dallas Turner, the the edge, along with Will Anderson, the def- other defensive end at Alabama. Those are going to top anybody's list. But what are some? Who are some of the top players that Texas is going to face that people aren't necessarily thinking about right now?
2: That people aren't thinking about.
0: Yeah. So I know you like a I know you like a defensive end out of Iowa State a bunch. Is, is, yeah, as an example,
2: yeah, Will McDonald is the defensive end at Iowa State, he's their primary pass rusher. Um, if you go back and watch the last two years of Texas versus Iowa State games, you'll see him because he had maybe a combined four sacks between the two of them. Um, really, maybe the last three games, I believe he had two sacks in 2019. I don't know how many he had in 2020, probably a couple more. He had two last year. Um, he's a problem, he's probably the best pure edge in the big 12 right now. And I don't know why he came back for another year at Iowa state, but he did. So he's definitely a guy that's going to be a problem for Texas, a really good test of where they are with their, uh, their offensive tackle position, whether they, they have Carrick out there, whether they have a freshman, you know, whatever they end up doing, the proof will be in the pudding in that, in that contest.
0: I've got some uh, breaking news here that just came in on my cell phone. And I, 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 I hesitate to say this, um, but I'm going to go ahead and go with it because I think this is a this is a one-source story, though. It sounds to me like the University of Texas is deciding uh, to stay with a Jai Hall. Uh, a source is telling me that Texas is likely to stay with a Jai Hall and he will remain on the team. Uh, of course, there is no official uh, comment quite yet, but the source that I'm getting right now is that a Jai Hall likely to stay with the Longhorns I'll be posting more about that on Inside Texas as soon as this um, uh, so, as soon as this uh, chat is over. Uh, I wanted to make sure people got that. Uh, I want to go to something else real quick. Uh, how is the kicking game looking? So, Thomas, uh, this is a good question, and, and I know that uh, Ian and I are both of the same uh, place on this. We literally have only heard bits and pieces and have not seen them do much at this point, but. The overriding fact is they're replacing the whole darn thing. Um, I could talk more to special teams in general and what Sarkeesian's talking about there. He started out the season uh, or started out the preseason going in four platoon units of uh, 11 players each uh, on each special teams unit. And then he's evaluating each of those weekly. He said yesterday that after his first scrimmage, he's going to take that four units down to three units and keep working those guys and evaluating them and putting some in with different units and mixing and matching. And then after the second scrimmage uh, on August 20th, what he'll do is come up with his final two units. So kicking game is not just about the actual kicking, whether it's Will Stone uh, or Burt Auburn, uh, but it's about the entire, uh, or doing the field goal kicking and uh, uh, Isaac Pearson doing the, the, the punting. It's about all of that. It does appear uh, from everything we have heard that Isaac Pearson, uh, the uh, young man from Australia, uh, will be the punter. Uh, the kicking uh, contest, uh, from our understanding, uh, is still ongoing. Um, do, do you think, Bobby,
2: that they might? I've heard that Will Stone has the bigger leg. Is that right? Yes, like, that is. Do you, That's think accurate. Possible, do you think it's possible they'll do the deal where maybe uh, Bert gets the, you know, 30, 30, 35 yard kicks. And then if it's a longer kick, they bring in stone or. I know. don't,
0: I don't, I don't like that in oh, general. Yeah? I don't like that where people do that because it, it doesn't breed consistency enough. You know, the, the kicker that's going out there needs to be the kicker. The kicker needs to know he's the one going out there in my opinion. Um I understand what you're saying. I do think he'll handle kickoffs Yeah, for sure. Almost for sure. Can't promise that because. You know, uh, haven't he hasn't been announced or what have you? Uh, But I I think that the field goal kicker generally needs to be the field goal kicker, and he needs to be good forty five and in. Anything above that is always bonus to me. Is that not the the rule of thumb that you've used throughout the years, Ian?
2: To the extent I've thought about field goal kickers, I, I'd say that that sounds like a. <laughs> I think I get, that's a great answer. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have something else, imminent, I've got one more special teams question for you. Yeah. Mo Blackwell, if they say, Sark says he's one of the best, most natural tacklers on the team. Um, He played a little, they called it dime linebacker last year. What that apparently means is uh, the linebacker that plays on third down for coverage. If he cannot crack the two deep at safety, should they just consider redshirting him this year and trying to bulk him up into a linebacker, even though that would eliminate him from special teams duty? Or do they let him play special teams? And and you know, is it is it worth a year of his development? I believe he's like two hundred three pounds. If he moves to linebacker, you want that to be two twenty.
0: I, I here's my thing: is he has an opportunity to be such an enforcer, Ian, that sometimes that's a guy that you've got to have. Uh, you. you You've got to, you want to try him at all possible to get him in the game at safety uh, because he's not going to be such an, an enforcer closer to the line of scrimmage because he's more likely to get eaten up by blocks. So what happens if he doesn't make the two deep at safety? I'm thinking that he's probably going to be a, in in a grouping uh, that that gets some game time early to see if he takes to it once the lights come on. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh, it looks like we have Jerry Hamilton back. Jerry,
1: you you better now? You you back Sorry, in the car. That was the key. You had to get in the car. It's what it's like in transit sometimes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. So where did, I got we, leave you. Off? did we leave off with me at, with me at that 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 that's that, that where we left off. Yes, okay. yes, Hey, I wanted to let
0: you know Jerry, one thing did happen. I got a source telling me that Jai Hall likely to to remain with the team.
1: Okay. There you go. So
0: uh, we'll see if that is actually uh, what happens, but that is what I'm, I'm hearing uh, at this point. Um, and so we'll have to see uh, exactly what happens. I'm going to go back to you. We were talking about the Florida kids for you. Yeah. Yep. Um, what are you hearing on? You talked a lot about Damon Wilson. What about Jordan Hall?
1: Yeah. First off, for those that didn't get the end of my Damon Wilson, I, I spoke with him briefly last night um, that, uh, September 10th official visit for the Alabama game, still not locked in, still being talked about. So that's where we're at with with Damon Wilson in Texas. Uh, Again, Tashard Choice kind of leading up that recruitment, I think is significant with Cedric Baxter being on board now and Peyton Kirkland, who uh, Tashard Choice has had a hand in that one, recruiting Orlando for such a long time while at Georgia Tech and the Southwest part of the state. Uh, Jordan Hall. You know, uh, he wants to visit September 10th. I think Bo Davis is is leading up that recruitment, obviously. Jordan, one of the top defensive linemen in the country. We have him number 27 overall in the on 300. And after watching him in person, I'm not sure he may not be better. Um, he is a really talented kid, uh, a great personality, just just that long arms, big hands, quick first and second step. So he's kind of got all the stuff about him. Uh, but with Texas in him, look, Georgia is in a good position. I think Florida is in a decent position with him. Um, I think Miami may be even a little better than Florida right now. And, uh, you know, then it gets into the Ohio State official visit um, for Michigan week uh, or, or for the Michigan game there at Thanksgiving. That one's locked in. Uh, he's got an official visit at LSU October 8th. I believe that's Tennessee game. Uh, so he's talking with Texas uh, multiple times a week right now. Uh, They're building that relationship. I think Texas is really figuring out with Hall is. um, Do they have a realistic shot at him? And and I think once, I I know that Texas fans say, well, just bring him in and then let that, well, you got to make sure you're not just spinning your wheels here. And so that's in a relationship building standpoint right now. The official visit is being talked about September 10th, same weekend, Damon Wilson. And again, that's the other thing The Texas staff, you know, when you get into these recruitments late with some of these top prospects, you have to make sure Um, And this is not just football. This has been mentioned in basketball. You just got to make sure these kids just don't want to take the visit. I mean, Texas is a great visit. That's an unbelievable game environment, Alabama game that weekend around Austin. So you got to make sure that this is a recruitment that is worth your time and your effort to lock into. And I think you'll see that official visit set up with Jordan Hall once Texas gets to that point. Jerry, I've got another
0: guy that I want to ask you about that uh, one of the, the guys talked about here on our chat uh, that's going on simultaneously uh, to this. And that's Dylan Spencer. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on him? He was one of those guys that Bo Davis identified early. Uh, and what position do you project him as?
1: Yeah, I think he's he's an interior guy all the way. Uh, you know, probably a three tech guy long term. I mean, he's going to be big now. He's six, four and a half. He's going to be 295, 300 pounds, maybe some four eye with him in the future too. Uh, I, I I think that's kind of his fit. But and, look, he hasn't even scratched the surface physically. And I think that's one of the things I like about this 23 class. Honestly, Cedric Baxter and, and uh, Derek Williams, who I saw yesterday afternoon, while they're top 30 prospects in the country, they haven't even scratched the surface physically. There's a lot of upside there. And when you look at guys in this class with upside, Dylan Spencer's one of those. And, and look, he started his high school career at West Orange. He moved to KD Taylor as so a sophomore, then CE King last year. This will be the first time he's had real high school structure Ah, uh, for more than a one-year period of time, and I think you're going to see a guy become a, a much better player as a senior. But I can say this: outside of what Texas thinks about Dylan Spencer, his name was brought up to me multiple times this spring when other college coaches went through, um, and he's a guy that you know I know LSU had interest in. I every school that's come through Ce King during the spring uh, showed interest in Dylan Spencer. So he's one of those guys now that he's in, in the same environment. And he's in the way, and he's in a strength and conditioning program there at C.E. King for a a period of time. And those college coaches came through and they really like where he could go as a prospect. So I think it's a steal early on. I think initially he committed to Texas over Houston. And so people were wondering, well, how good is he? Did Texas take him too early? But I think it's a pretty strong early evaluation by Bo Davis.
0: Um, Jerry, uh, you mentioned those guys that are high ceiling guys. Um, that haven't been fully tapped and, and you mentioned that not only is Cedric Baxter that way but those guys down in Florida that you saw you feel you feel there Derek Williams who you saw yesterday I know you feel like that any other of the uh, I think 21 commitments now or is it 22 commitments that Texas has um, that you feel similarly to Spencer and the guys from Florida and uh, Derek Williams
1: Yeah, yeah. First, I want to start with Derek Williams, because I think I got cut off right before I was going to get into seeing him yesterday. And then I'll get to those guys with that upside, because there are quite a few in the class. Look, the the most interesting thing, and this is why you make the school visits, and Bobby knows this from his years doing this, is one thing I learned about Derek Williams that I did not know until yesterday is his father's between 6'5 and 6'6, and his mother's between 5'11 and 6 feet tall. Okay, he doesn't turn 18 until January. So right now, I went out there and watched Derek Williams as a a six-foot-and-a-half, 180, 183-pound safety uh, with long arms. But then after talking to the staff, you say, okay, how big can this kid get? Where can this kid go physically? And I can tell you that Ryan Antoine, the head coach at Westgate, told me yesterday, he said, I'm not going to be surprised if this kid's not 6'2", 6'3", 230 pounds one day. So you're talking about a total different prospect. And by the way, how physical is Derrick Williams? They played against Trevante Citizen, uh, Lake Charles Prep last season. Trevante Citizen's turning heads at Miami. He's a future NFL running back. Derrick Williams knocked him out in the first quarter. Done. (laughs) Citizen didn't come back in the game, okay? That's a six-foot, 215, 220-pound senior Derrick Williams is hitting. So he already hits like he's 230. The question is, how big is the kid going to get? But he's explosive in his movement. He's a twitched-up kid. He's, he's interesting because you talk to him, he's shy, he's reserved. But then when it's time to play football, he has a different voice out there with his teammates. And, man, is he physical on Friday nights. When those pads come on, he is a physical player. And I can tell you this, the Westgate staff, they had Keyshawn Butte a couple of years ago, who we had in the Under Armour game when I was with ESPN. And they're like NFL players, both these guys, no question in their mind. And Butte obviously will be drafted after this season pretty highly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they put Derek Williams right there with him as a talent. Um, then any other upside guys in this class? You know, I think there's a lot on the offensive line in this class, which is interesting. You know, the 2022 offensive line class is going to be the class of guys. Kelvin Banks is going to start at left tackle. I mean, I've been saying it since he signed. I don't I don't really care. He's going to start. Is it game one, two, three, or four? I don't care. He's going to start. Um, and, and if he keeps mauling guys in practice, it may be game one. Uh, but then you have – DJ Campbell, who will play. Cam Williams, who's physically going to be ready to play. The 23 class, a Trevor Gooseby guy, he'll take a year when he gets to Texas, and he's going to look so much different physically than he does now. Um, he's a guy who's 6'6", six, six, six and a third, you know, maybe 275 right now. He's going to pack on 20, 30 pounds in a year pretty easily. Uh, Jaden Chapman has physical upside. Andre Kojo is still 16 years old. He's a young kid whose body's going to be reshaped pretty quickly under Torrey Beckton. So when you look at this 2023 class, the offensive line guys have a long way to go to reach their ceilings physically where this 2022 class came in as already some really large human beings or maybe farther ahead. In, in that uh, from that standpoint so this class uh, sadir mitchell's got a ton of upside as, as we're scrolling through the list i mean sadir's a guy who was 355 360 pounds a year ago he's down in the around 330 range um, and he's a guy who can continue to reshape his body and he's already got all the tools and the skill set but once he continues to get stronger and reshape that body he's an early enrollee said baxter's an early enrollee i mean some of these guys with that upside they're early enrollees where uh, last year only one offensive lineman was an in early enroll, in even though there are a lot of other guys. So some of these upside guys are, are going to get the Texas in January. And I think that's going to make a huge difference for those guys getting on the field quick.
0: There's two in a row or three in a row, really, that I think are, are, are upside guys. Spencer Shannon is yes. a he's an inline tight end type body build, plays a lot of flex at modern day. Uh, but I feel like he's got some Billy Walton at South Oak Cliff is another one.
1: Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Spencer Shannon's one. I should have brought that one up. I think that's a great call. Um, Look, I mean, more of a baseball basketball guy transitioning the football. How many times do we hear that nowadays? But he's a guy who's not even close uh, physically to to his ceiling. And he's already a kid who has physicality as a kid who's playing undersized, which I think is a very strong sign for his future. Uh, But then Billy Walton, seeing him at Malik Muhammad's, uh, uh commitment ceremony 100 right he's got 25 30 pounds he can put on that frame and do it where it's proportioned well a lot of upside there and i'll tell you what that's a kid who he's not ranked and he's not going to be ranked as high as a lot of kids in this class uh uh, but he is a guy who has a little something to him when you talk to him you kind of get that impression uh, physical the the step up in physical football play from high school to college isn't going to be an issue with him. It's just going to be about getting stronger.
2: Jerry, a couple of pass rush questions with some of these guys. Yeah. Can you see can you see Derek Williams growing into a buck like Overshone might do?
1: You know, that was that's interesting, Ian, I mean I, I can't rule that out when when I heard how big his his parents are and, yeah. and some family members and that he hasn't turned 18 yet. I mean you know, is, is he gonna grow into that because look, DeMar Vion Overshone was a free safety in the Under Armour All America game. And I mean, he hit like Steve Atwater at that age. Boy, I'll tell you. But he's a guy who's transitioned and he's taller at the same age, obviously, than Derek Williams. But I think he was also a little bit of an older kid. So I I think you I think that's on the table uh for Derek Williams. If if he hits a you know inch, inch and a half growth spurt here in the next uh, few months or a year, I, I think it's potential with him. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be hard for me to move him off of safety because he's so instinctive. He's so naturally such a playmaker back there. But his body may take it a different direction.
2: Then you mentioned you think Kevin Banks, he's going to be the guy. Yeah. When you're look, when you're looking at these tackles in high school, you know they don't necessarily – some of them play in pass-heavy offenses, but some of them do not. Um, how are you evaluating these guys for –
1: or being a tackle what do you look for yeah you know Kelvin banks was a, one of the easier ones uh, for me and, and I'll tell you this and ma- Kenny Harrison former Texas fullback running back as the head coach at Summer Creek he was also the head coach or offensive coordinator when Jamal Charles came out of Port Arthur so he's a guy I've watched for a long time right um, Kelvin came out ahead and pass pro because Kenny's such a good offensive coach right and I think most of the times that's where those guys struggle. Uh, is in the past pro early on. But for me, what I look at, uh, Ian, it obviously it starts with think feet and ankle flexion. Offensive tackle, I mean, it, any athlete's got to have great feet. Don't get me wrong. they be a really high-level kid. Uh, He had the feet, he had the ankle flexion, he had the knee bend, he had some pop, and he could really uncoil on his hips on guys as he got older. Uh, He had enough arm length. He's an 80-plus wingspan guy. He's a 10-inch hand-plus guy. Uh, But to me, the big thing with these guys, you know, and I remember watching Laramie Tunzel at camp way back, is the reactive and the body quickness are so big for me when I look at these guys because... You know, and you sometimes you only see that in a camp setting without pads on because they're going against – it's like an AAU basketball setting. You're going against the guy lined up in a drill, which is made for the defense to win. But if you react, your body reacts uh, with quickness and your feet react with quickness, uh, that tells a lot to me. you know, I remember Kelvin was always strong in that scenario in the camp setting. Tommy Brockermeyer was unbelievable in that setting before he started getting injuries that have really cost him and set him back. But that's what I really those are the things I look for. And then obviously in I the maybe the biggest piece out the biggest piece outside the, the skill set is when you talk to a guy, what's their mentality? I mean, you know, are, are those guys is it a guy that you say, okay, one, yes, he can handle everything playing a left tackle position in college, and two Do you get that sense that physically he's going to answer the bell early on? And I can tell you with Kelvin Banks, he checked every box as a senior in high school for me. Um, And would he be starting at Alabama? Probably not. But he's not at Alabama. He's at Texas, and there's an opportunity to start. Uh, But I'll say this. Maybe he would be starting at Alabama because, you know, Evan Neal, even though he played guard, came in and started right away at Alabama. On an Alabama offensive line littered with NFL prospects. Uh, So that's kind of the things I look for at the tackle position. Uh, You know, there's a lot of traits and there's a lot of boxes that need to be checked. I want to
0: say this real quick. Uh, If you didn't see Kelvin Banks obliterate Vernon Broughton in that video (laughs) for the the hype video Texas put out yesterday, he was—he uh, looked like a grown man at however old, 18 or whatever he is. Hey Jerry, I want to ask you uh, one question about a guy I don't think gets enough TLC in the Texas community because I think he's a, a baller a little bit, and that's Jamel Johnson out of Arlington, Arlington, First commitment of the entire recruiting class has gone on and done some trips, got rave reviews, and stuck with the Longhorns. Uh, What are your thoughts on him?
1: You know, he's kind of the Jalen Gilbo of this class to me, and and, and here's why I say that, and I'm not comparing him as players because they're a little different, but as prospects. You know, Gilbo was a guy that a lot of times last year throughout the recruiting process, people asked how fast is he? You know, his track times didn't necessarily back up um, some of the speed numbers that you hear about him, right? And So the reason I I draw that comparison is Jamel Johnson, I think plays faster than he's ever going to test. So I think you get Jamel into an under armor setting like last March and he didn't put up great testing numbers, but I do think he plays. His play speed is better than his testing speed will ever be. So I kind of put him in there with Gilbo in that similarity from that standpoint of he could be a guy who plays above a ranking very easily just because all everything that goes into this business nowadays, you know, if you if you turn in a 471 on a laser, it's going to count against you. But you know what? If you play fast when you see the football in front of you, if you react fast with the pads on, then certainly you're going to you can outplay some of those athletic testing numbers. And that's kind of where I see Jamel. I think he's just a football player. I think Jalen uh-huh. was a football player, and, and I think that's the similarity between those two guys.
0: Um, Ian, this one's going to go back to you. I'm going back and forth between recruiting and team stuff and and opponent stuff. Uh, You mentioned Will McDonald uh, at Iowa State as a guy that you think is an under the radar guy that Texas needs, Texas and the Big 12 in general need to be aware of because he's uh, probably an elite pass rusher. Is there anybody else uh, that you're thinking of uh, that Texas needs to be aware of kind of that's not necessarily on the, you know, every major watch list or what have you?
2: Uh, The accumulation of edge talent at Oklahoma State is kind of concerning for Texas. They had, you know, Brock Martin, I think, had nine sacks last year. Trace Ford, they thought, would be their best pass rusher, and he got hurt. He's back. Um, The guy that replaced him, a freshman named Colin Oliver, had 10 sacks. He looks like – I'm curious if Jerry has seen him. He looks like just a natural – uh, freakish strength and explosiveness this year. They're going to play them there. It's what PK wants to do. They can play two of them at a time on either edge. Um, so I think that's going to be a big problem for every team in the big 12, but certainly for Texas, where, you know, you're talking about uh, true freshmen trying to win a left tackle job in camp. They get Oklahoma state on the road before their bye week So that's the eighth football game they'll have played in eight Saturdays That's uh, a very very concerning game i'd be looking out for for those players that oklahoma state has on the edge and then obviously spencer sanders too uh four four year starter very gifted physically can make a lot of throws that other guys can't make fast he's played behind just terrible offensive lines for the last year if they can if they can fix that then i think that that's a those are definitely things for texas fans to circle Hey,
0: what about what, – what was Colin Oliver in high school?
1: You know, that's a, he's not a guy I saw a ton of, uh, honestly. I mean, I, I remember watching tape, explosive kid. Uh, but in, in person, that's not a kid I saw a lot of, honestly. So it, I'd be kind of spitballing on that one a little bit too much. But I, I do – I'm not sure what I missed, okay, while I was in transit. But I continue to hear, by the way, it's not Edge. Jordan Hudson is absolutely tearing it up at TCU. I'm talking tearing it up at TCU. So just for – Uh, For fans, Big 12 fans, guys, that remember Jordan Hudson coming out of Garland last year. We had him as a five-star on three. He had two touchdowns in each of the first two practices, um, and he was very impressive all summer. He's kind of what everybody that saw him thought he was going to be, apparently. He's a natural at wide receiver with as good a pair of mitts and ball skills naturally, as you'll see. Uh, But that's one one I think he's going to be. I mean, he could have an Xavier-worthy type of freshman year unless there's just so much around him at the receiver position at TCU. He doesn't get a, a, a lot of opportunities. Quentin Johnson, Tay Barber, Savion Williams. I mean, TCU, from what I'm hearing, thinks they have three future NFL draft picks at wide receiver. Quentin Johnston, uh, Jordan Hudson, and Savion Williams. And Chandler Morris has put on a lot of weight and doing a good job getting those kids the ball.
0: Um, hey, question for both of y'all, okay? Um, Byron Murphy showed some, I thought as a freshman, right? I think we all thought that he brought an energy that maybe was lacking on the interior. Um, Y'all feel like Texas has to find a way to get him on the field as a starter, or is that necessarily what they need and they just need him to be heavy in the rotation?
2: How many positions can he play? You know, if he can play nose and three technique, then they can get him 60 snaps, 70 snaps if they want. If he's strictly a nose, then you start to run into trouble. Where um, if he's splitting time with Keandre Coburn, then maybe he doesn't get as many snaps as he deserves. So I think his positional flexibility is big there. And then and then whether or not they want to, you know, stick with Coburn or not.
0: Jerry, you have any specific thought on
1: that? Yeah, my thought with him as a prospect and and just going into year two is. He's such an energy, such a motor player. Um, you know, we, we talked about Nathan O'Neill, who trains a lot of guys. We've had him on uh, this show before. I asked Nathan about Nathan worked with him a little bit in the spring, summer, and, and thought he's physically just continued to come a long ways, uh, just continue to get stronger, um, and, and learn to really be more consistent with his hands, I think is going to be something people are going to see in year two. Uh, with Byron Murphy but uh, Nathan O's, no Nathan O'Neill's a big fan of his uh, and and I love Nathan's opinions because he works with these guys. Uh, he thought he was probably second most talented guy on that D line. He said Alfred Collins had the most raw talent of any of the guys he worked with at Texas, but as far as now the number two guy as far as talent he thinks Byron Murphy just was the motor and the toughness.
0: Um, Jerry got a question about recruiting and, and this is about TJ Shanahan. Uh, what's our chances with TJ Shanahan, but I'm going to expand that for you. It's Texas. It's my understanding. It's not, Texas not really recruiting TJ Shanahan or any other offensive lineman at this time. Is that
1: accurate? I, I think that's accurate right now, unless somebody peels out of the class, uh, you know, unless there's a number late in the class, maybe somebody hits the portal during the season or they're expecting to after the season. I think Texas is, is good at five, especially the year after signing seven. I mean, Look, it, it, that's a tough – people are like, well, just sign as many guys as you can. Yeah, it's not that easy. I mean, you signed seven guys last year. You got five committed this year. At some point, it, 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 even a confident kid starts to question and starts to count your numbers. So uh, I think five is the number right now. So T.J. Shanahan, look, I'll say this. He had plenty of opportunities. Texas was recruiting him early on and recruiting him heavily, and he's down the street at Westlake, and he never got to campus. And I think that showed a lot that he never got the campus. Um, and now that obviously maybe some of those other situations that he was hopeful for aren't there. Um, I think after Arch committed, I think he started reaching back out to Texas, but look when the Peyton Kirkland uh, possibility popped up, uh, that made a lot of sense for Texas. I mean, Texas wants to recruit the state of Florida. Uh, Peyton Kirkland is that big human, that large human uh, that Kyle Flood's looking for and, um, and good friends with, you know, friends with Cedric Baxter and some of those other guys. Tashar Choice already was, had been recruiting him at Georgia Tech. I think a lot of things fell in place with Peyton Kirkland in Texas. But, look, that's the one thing to remember about the uh, recruiting guys um, for the people that are watching this is the, these kids have plenty of opportunities to come to campus and show a coaching staff that they're interested, sit down, have real conversations about recruiting, and about football at these staffs. And if you choose not to, it's hard to blame a staff for going a different direction, especially when you live eight miles away.
0: Um, an update for those listening. Uh, Ajay Hall was arrested overnight, uh, actually yesterday evening, by the University of Texas Police Department. Um, his status with the team, an official announcement is supposed to be made by the university later today or by the football team later today. I am hearing from a source that Hall is expected to stay with the team or whether I don't know if they're going to suspend him uh, for a while or what have you, but he's supposed to stay in school uh, and still be on the team. We'll see if that source is accurate. Uh, he has not been wrong yet. Um, so we'll see if uh, that, that uh, follows through as expected. Um, Ian, I, I'm talking, you know, we're looking forward to, we're about three weeks out from the first game, right? Um, Louisiana Monroe, comes to town. They're not very good, right? <laughs> he just nods his head. <laughs> he like, yes. Um, is there anything that they're decent at or are they just patently just one of those teams that, you know, they got a tough life ahead of.
2: It sounds like they have a tough life ahead. You know, I think they lost their defensive coordinator. Um, I believe they had rich rod for a single year and he left and took the defensive coordinator with him. Um, They played – they applied a lot of pressure last year with the secondary that was uh, hit by graduation. And, um, you know, they will will run the ball. They will run some spread option stuff from the shotgun. And that's always a good little barometer for your defense and whether guys understand where they're supposed to be or not. So I think that will be interesting to watch for for Texas fans just to see, you know, how these guys fit the run and whether they, you know – They dive and you see the quarterback pull the ball around the edge for an easy free 15 yards, whether they've got all that bottled up. But, you know, this should be a game that Texas is you know, name the score, play the backups and all that.
1: Uh, The biggest problem with ULM, Bobby, is uh, one of the things I look at with some of these uh, group of five schools in these towns is there's too many current players that wear a Neville or West Monroe uniform that would start for them. That's their problem. (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah, well, I mean, from a talent standpoint, I mean, that's kind of, you know, well, I, when you're Z-
0: Zalance Hurd starts for a lot of people,
1: though. <laughs> All right. I mean, so
0: there let's be clear about that. Hey, uh, Jerry, and I'm going to get Matt, our producer, to cue up that uh, Arch Manning play from yesterday as we, we uh, kind of wind down here. Got a couple more questions I want to get in. Uh, but uh, you're for the people that didn't catch the beginning of this broadcast. You're you came out pretty strong and said, look, people that that downgrade or think uh, Arch Manning is not legit as a prospect. They need their head examined, basically. Um, Tell the folks really what you saw and and your overall uh, feeling coming out of that visit.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, look, starting with Arch physically, um, he's a bigger, stronger guy right now, but he's retained his athleticism. Just watching him move around, he looks just like he did as a junior and he's a bigger, stronger kid now. I mean, so one, that's the most difficult part about our job ranking these kids, evaluating these kids, is are you going to retain athleticism as you get bigger and stronger? Uh, But Art certainly does. He's got really good feet. He's such a competitor. Um, You know, more than what I saw, more than my opinion, which is one opinion, you know, Logan Kilgore, the new quarterback, coach, and offensive coordinator, he was on Butch Jones' staff last year. He played in the CFL. He's a he set records at Middle Tennessee State as a quarterback. And after talking to him, I have a ton of respect for his opinion, right? It's like the first time I talked to Kevin Murray, I was like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. It's just a different feel. And, and he went on and on. He said, you know, I asked him about Arch's arm streak. I said, some people, I said, I think it's because he has such a quick release. People question his arm streak. He said, man, he said he can make every throw. He said, that is not an issue. He said, the thing that, he and David Morris, quarterback country, have worked with Arch on, is continuing to get stronger in his base and his core so he can maximize that arm strength, right? And and he's putting all that together now heading into his senior year um, to where they've really worked on that base, that core. One of the things they were working on that deep ball yesterday, and we don't have the audio, is keeping that front foot on the ground. I think he's had that's one of the things that uh, Logan kept telling him on the deep balls. Keep that front foot on the ground. Keep that front foot on the ground. So that's something they've worked on from a technical standpoint. Uh, But, I, you know, look, I I think Arch is a tremendous prospect. I think he's worthy of being number one. I think he's worthy of being a five-star. Is he in four years going to be the number one pick in the draft? Well, none of us know that. I mean, there's a lot that has to play out there. But, you know, he's worthy of being a five-star prospect. There is no doubt in my mind. Um, he can make all the throws. I think he sees the field really well. I, I think one of the things I like about him, just studying arch, is, Bobby, I, I like quarterbacks that play under duress in high school. I think it helps him so much. Now, that's going to mean he's not going to have the big stats. He doesn't play uh, at an Austin Westlake or a North Shore or have all this talent around him, have four or five Division One offensive linemen. Have the guys on the outside that he can just throw the ball to a spot to. Um, he, he, he doesn't play with those level guys at wide receiver on the offensive line. The twenty twenty five line, Brett Borderline's very good now. Don't don't get me don't get that wrong. But as a whole, an offensive line, they're going to be out talented most of the time. So the statistics may not be there for arts like they are for some other quarterbacks, but he's having to play under duress. He's having to make real quarterback plays. He has he has to play with a time clock in high school, and I actually think that's going to benefit him when he goes to college. I think that puts him ahead of the game. Um, and some people are like, well, he hasn't thrown a fast receiver. So that's not going to take a kid like this a lot of time, okay? He, he sees the field. He's a naturally accurate quarterback. Um, and, you know, uh, Logan Kilgore went on and on about that. Just the, the anticipation, that accuracy naturally, and just how of you a know, natural passer he is. But I like that he plays under duress, Bobby. I think that helps him so much.
0: I, I've got to say this. Um, I, somebody told me the, the stat, and Ian, you can, you can uh, think about this stat. There have been 56 Super Bowls, right? I think that's the number. 34 of them have been won by t- just 12 quarterbacks. So two of those 12 are Mannings. <laughs> so I just, I just want everybody to understand that you can talk about all this other stuff not mattering, uh, but if anybody were to ask you right now of all this group, who's most likely to win a Super Bowl of, this high, of these high school quarterbacks and you don't think it's Arch Manning, I, I don't know really what to tell you. I I, I mean, uh, think I think you're wrong is what I would tell you I guess.
2: I noticed too in the in the video what you said Jerry about keeping his front foot on the ground. I immediately started seeing uh, Peyton Manning highlights in my head, and I noticed that's exactly what he does. What is the benefit of that? Is that is that relate to accuracy on the deep ball? What, what is? Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that's accuracy. Accuracy on a deep ball, and that's part of your transition, you know, where you're not stuck on your backside on your back foot. Um, and balance, stay in balance and rhythm throughout the throw. There's, All
2: right. I've got
1: I've we need got Hudson one more card
2: to get work on the, get Hudson card in that drill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hold on a second. I've got one last recruiting question uh, for Jerry. Is uh, Damon Wilson a pipe dream?
1: Look, I I, I I'm a broken record. Of all these national guys uh, uh, that, that any program recruits until they make it the campus, I don't want to say it's a pipe dream. It's a long shot. Look, the, it's only a pipe dream if if we're telling you Texas is trying to recruit this guy and the kid's not answering the phone. Okay, but there's conversations being had, visit dates are being talked about, so it's not a pipe dream, but it is a long shot until a kid gets on campus. Damon Wilson's never been to Texas. Jordan Hall's never been to Texas, and that's why I'm that's why I'm like, look. Here's where we're at with the recruitment. The conversations are happening, official visit dates are being talked about. When that kid steps on campus, then my my opinion starts to change. Because here's here's we talked about this on the show a few days ago, Bobby and I did. Here's the negative right now for Texas is. Damon Wilson, Jordan Hall, these guys have been to Georgia more than once. They've been to Miami more than once. They've been to Alabama more than once, or Ohio State. They've been to all these places. So from that standpoint, you could look at it and say, man, you know, Texas is really behind on these guys. I don't know if they can make up the ground. Here's the total flip side of that argument, though, or that discussion. It's not argument, it's a discussion. Because those kids have been to all those schools multiple times, they already know everything. They've been there. They've asked the questions. They've been there in the summer. They've been there on a game day. They have all these experience at these universities. Then you have a chance to really wow a kid. He's never been on campus before. Say Damon Wilson visits the Alabama weekend. Deuce Robinson visits the Alabama weekend. It, the outcome of the game, Alabama's favored. They should win the game. But the city, the vibe, everything going on around the university – the program, Arch Manning's in town. All the commitments are in town. A lot of top 24s are in town. It's not just about the win or loss in that scenario. It's about what does the whole vibe of the town, the city, the university, uh, the fan base, and it's going to be upbeat. It's going to be excited. that They're going to be seeing Damon Wilson, Jordan Hall, Deuce Robbins, all these guys you're trying to recruit late. They're going to see freshmen on the field. They're going to see Kelvin Banks at left tackle. They're going to see a lot of these kids in the 2022 class playing and the portal guys having an impact an Isaiah and Naor. So these kids are going to come in. They're going to see a great vibe and they're going to say, okay, the young guys are playing. I can go play there. I can go have an impact there. So there's, that's the, that's the positive going with the negative is, you know, Texas has to work from behind, but when these kids have never been on campus, you have a chance to really wow them if you get them in the right weekend and get in the thick of the race. Yeah, I, I, I tend to
0: agree that it's, it's not – recruiting is always nuanced, first of all. Uh, these kids – I'll never forget Ahmad Brooks, who I, I've known since he was in high school, the former Texas player, uh, broadcaster. He visited Texas for Route 66. If Texas fans know what that is, it was the end of the end for John McEvick. UCLA came to Texas. And beat Texas 66-3. to 3. It was the worst defeat in Texas football history to that point. Um, and so I'll never forget what Ahmad said subsequent to that. When Mac Brown arrived later that year, he went to Texas and said, you know what I think? I think I can stay close to home and play <laughs> early. And so don't think that getting beat bad is always a negative. Obviously, you don't want it to happen. Uh, But, you know, you can never go so far. Ahmad, by the way, was committed to Colorado initially and then committed to Texas later. Um, Jerry, thank you for your time. Ian Boyd, thank you for your time. Both of us, are all of us, write for InsideTexas.com, which is the number one source on Longhorn football and recruiting. Uh, Jerry was all over the map this week in Florida and Louisiana seeing the top players. Justin Wells is on his way to Copco coppers cove today to see the number one offensive lineman uh for 2024 uh so we're we're on we're working we're on the road trying to get information to you uh joe cook is at every press conference and every media and practice availability eric Nalin uh behind the scenes along with paul wadlington uh it is uh, it is a work that we all love to do uh so for ian boyd and jerry hamilton we appreciate you guys i appreciate you guys being here with me today uh, also a programming note. Uh, we will be doing these chats each and every week on Fridays at eleven o'clock. We like to do them before people try to go to lunch a lot of times on Fridays, get a little lunchtime uh, break, and then we'll hope we'll post it so you can see the recap as well. Uh, another thing I'm speaking with Paul Wadlington uh, for a uh, episode of On Texas Football uh, that I'll post tomorrow morning. Uh, so for Jerry, Ian, Thank you from Inside Texas and on Texas football for watching. I'm Bobby Burton.